0: All right, what's up, everyone? We're on episode two of our series. Start the conversation. This episode is on biblical unity, um, and Justice and I, we just, we just hope this encourages y'all. Um, um, hope you learn something from it, and hope you can apply um, something just to your daily life from this. We thank you for tuning in, and we also want to uh, provide opportunities for you to serve uh, in your community. Um, through the local church so please reach out to justice or i um just about those opportunities and we'll we'll send you all the information you need about that uh, so we hope to implement that into this series as well um, so just thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the conversation
1: Right. we're talking about biblical unity today um and uh then we have so those of you who are listening or watching we have a google doc where we're just going back and forth and putting some of our thoughts as we you know get prepared for this conversation and we have a lot of good stuff and i wouldn't be surprised if we have to to break this up <laughs> into two we'll See, we'll uh, yeah see. um <laughs> But it seems like we're, we're thinking about starting off uh, talking about Jesus, talking about the life of Paul, um, diving into some scripture, diving into really, uh, I think first we'll go to the high priestly prayer in John 17. You'll kind of lead Amen. the way for us there. <laughs> it's so good though. Um, I remember when we were talking about this, we were like, we could develop a whole a whole conversation just to that chapter oh absolutely there, yeah. there's so much in there
0: it's way too much <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's amazing stuff. i know
1: um and then we'll dive into a few quotes from either just incredible biblical scholars um yeah and then look at the early church uh and the book of acts and then kind of go from there and throughout the the time we talk we can you know think through applications and how it can you know apply to our ministry leaders our coaches and our and our athletes but uh yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts before we kind of talk more about jesus and paul but
0: yeah i mean um i'm just i'm so excited to talk about unity mm. um the word is thrown around so much um in our world especially today in the past yeah. year um but just to look at it from a biblical perspective it it helps us to to grow yeah. more in, in our knowledge of of god and his word yeah um and it's just you know it, unity really is kind of the theme um of the gospel right it's mm-hmm. a, it's um in second corinthians 5 it talks about um reconciliation and yeah rest basically restoration, um, God (laughs) reconciling, reconciling the world back to himself through his son, Jesus. Um, so, man, the whole gospel is about, um, unifying, you know, God and people together. Um, and so, so us being reconciled to God and reconciled to people. Um, so that's kind of. When I think about unity, I yeah. just think about the gospel as a whole, yeah. and that's that's the heart of God yeah. and His mission.
1: That's so good. And when you're talking about restoration and you're talking about reconciliation and, and all these things about, you know, how in Jesus, the church, that's what we're supposed to look like. Mm. And something that I feel like throughout throughout our conversation today, and even when we talk about biblical justice... um. I might bring this up and and you probably, I know you've heard me say this a lot, but um, man, we, I think just as Christianity has, has developed Western Christianity, right? Western culture and how we've taken the the gospel. um, Obviously there are a lot of great things. Um, Yeah, just so many great things. (laughs) But one of the things that I feel like, and I mentioned this at our all staff conference a while, a while about a while back when we were talking about how do we become a community where God adds to it day by day. Right. When we, when we dug into acts too, and, acts and, two. and I might, and I might, and we're going to take some time to d- dive into that scripture, yeah. but, um, we often think of reconciliation, restoration, and we, we think about the book of revelations the, or the book of the revelation, Mm -hmm. um, the last book of the Bible. And we, we see that picture of every, you know, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, um, and how they're unified. And that's speaking of when Jesus comes back. Yeah. But the thing is throughout the Bible, Jesus talks about how he has given us the power to actually live that out now Mm -hmm. on earth. Right and and we get to that as prayer. Yeah, just as it is in heaven, and I think we are so, um, again, just as Christianity has developed, we are so focused on this question of when you die today, will you go to heaven? And that's a solid question to ask. Yeah, but that's not what the gospel is all about. It's about how somehow, because of what Jesus did on the cross and Him rising up on the third day victoriously, and then Him, you know ascending to heaven and empowering us through the, you know, the work of the Holy spirit, we then have this power that he has. And, and we can actually go and make disciples of all nations and we can actually see his kingdom come here on earth, just as it is in heaven. And I think Mm -hmm. we'll probably dive into that a little bit when we get to, you know, John 17, um, and the high priestly prayer, right. About being unified, um, with, with Jesus and the father. But, yeah, that's something that just stood out to me and I, and I felt like sharing that because we're often thinking about how in heaven, right, when Jesus returns, whenever that is and we don't know when, it, when it's going to be, we're always looking forward to that and saying, well, that's when everything's going to be, be good. And that's mm-hmm. true. That's when everything's going to be complete. Yeah. But the kingdom of God has already been launched. Mm-hmm. And we, as a covenant people of God, have the power through the Holy Spirit, to actually advance the kingdom here right now
0: would you like to dive into john 17 yeah let's do it to 23 now? yeah
1: let's do it right, let's
0: do it okay so in john 17 um we have the high priestly prayer from jesus and it's right before he actually gets betrayed um and he just says this amazing prayer. I encourage everyone to read the whole chapter. Um, but specifically, we're going to focus on John seventeen twenty to 23. Um, so I'll read it. Um, starting in verse 20. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will, be, who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me. I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them. Even as you love me, man, I, That just that last sentence, like that last phrase, um, um that they, that we can experience the love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as a child of God, we can experience the love of the father like he has for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that perfect, yeah, that perfect love and perfect unity. So it makes you think, of, think of two things, um, perfect unity and profound unity, um, yeah. So we see he talks about um, perfect unity, perfectly one, um, and that's because the unity between Jesus and the Father is perfect. Yeah. Um, and and that makes me think that our unity with one another um, should be a reflection yeah. of the unity that existed eternally yeah. um, with the Father and the Son. And obviously, we ta- kind of talked a little about this earlier, but... Like, since we are humans, we sin yeah. <laughs> we sin every day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is not going to be perfect unity on this side because we are sinful and we are not perfect. Yet, like we talked about before, we, we still get to experience unity mm-hmm. here. Um, it may not be perfect, but we, get, we, we should be eagerly striving for that perfect mm-hmm. unity Um, with one another because that's what Jesus prayed for us. Um, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) He prayed that for everyone who would believe in his name, that, that we would strive for this perfect unity that he has with his father. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then profound unity, um, sticks out to me as well. Um, and that, and that kind of means that, um, people who aren't believers, um, yeah looking at us who are believers like they should notice a different type of unity that's like yeah not that they're not very familiar with like from the world's perspective um that they're they're not used to seeing um they should just see a unity in jesus in jesus name that is um it's a people we're a people of filled with joy and peace and love yeah um you know the fruits of the spirit Mm -hmm. um and we all just love and cherish and desire God's word too. We we submit to God's word as as the truth, yeah. um, and that we have this unity in serving because we have this mission to yeah. serve to make disciples, um, to love people and serve serve people well. Um, mm-hmm. So all like they bas- basically the outside world or just people should should just see. Yeah. Us as believers have like a different, a profound type yeah. of unity that's a relational unity as well and yep. it's like a togetherness. Yeah. Um, unity that, yeah. that they should want it should want to yeah. be a part of. Yeah. So those are kind of two that's, things that man. stuck out to me.
1: That's really good and, and what you talked about of just being different, right this this community that on the outside looking in, you're like, how are these people sitting at the same table with these other people right? Filling in a mm-hmm. blank of who it is <laughs> yeah. um, and and I'll actually talk about that a little bit later when we just look at the early church and acts. And um, but another thing that that really stands out to me is is the word glory, um, and I'm actually mm-hmm. learning a little bit more about about that I, i'm actually i would recommend a book by i think it's haley gornson jacobs um it's a scholarly book but i think if you're patient and you have like a i don't know a concordance and you use google a lot <laughs> you'll get through it um just have a dictionary next year. <laughs> yeah but it, it's called um conformed to the image of his son so it takes that verse in romans eight Mm-hmm. Um, in the passage in Romans eight, that whole chapter. And she kind of opens our perspective on what does it mean to be glorified? What does it mean to be glorified with Christ and conformed to the image of the Son? Like what that's a weighted um statement. And when you look at glory, when you when I think of glory, I often tie it to like radiance, right? Some like mm uh god being glorious him being you know up in the skies and whenever he would show up in the old testament maybe in a vision yeah. you would see his glory and mm-hmm. it's just how big he is and all that stuff um and that's part of it that's that's part of it but it, re- it really comes from um psalms 8 where it talks about and this is a famous psalm but it's where um it opens up oh lord our lord how majestic is your name and all the earth. And this poet is obviously dwelling on the beginning pages in Genesis one, where God creates the heavens and the earth. And he's looking at all of the, the beauty that he's created and he's created everything in the heavens. He's created all the things in, in the land. And he's like, what is human beings that you're mindful of them, mm. that you would crown them with glory and honor. And set things under their feet, all things under humanity's feet, and it goes on to list um, the things where in Genesis one we were originally empowered to rule over and have dominion over all the things in in the land, the bird, the birds of the heavens. Um, and he's like, even though we're set a little lower than the Elohim or the gods up in the sky, in the sky, you have crowned us. These Earthlings that were created from the dust with your glory and your honor. And with that, if you just take that word and you know track it throughout all the Old Testament, also the New Testament, especially when Paul's using it in Romans, it has a sense of you have crowned us with authority, the authority that Jesus had, right? Co rulers with Jesus, um, the status that he has. Mm-hmm. And man when he's saying that we are unified with him and we get to, again, like the the commission of of Matthew of going to make disciples of all nations and, and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, like he's saying that we have this sense of authority because of what Jesus has done. And again, it goes back to, man, we don't have... We, we don't have to wait until we get to he- like to heaven. Mm, yeah, like we have the opportunity now because of what Christ has done. Um, and I yeah. think it's recognizing the identity that we have in Christ. Yeah, that, does that make sense? No, it makes absolute yeah. sense. Yeah,
0: that's that's really good. I mean, we 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 just have, and I feel like I, that just kind of convicted me. I feel like I take for granted. The, I, I do too. Know, the the, yeah. the fellowship I can have with the the father with with god and the fellowship i can have like jesus tells us to abide in him like Mm -hmm. and that's just i feel like i can just use that as religious lingo like um and you know without even thinking about it but like we can fellowship with god Mm -hmm. here in this life in this in this body of death that that paul talks about but we get to we're in this sinful body yet we get to still experience his fellowship by his grace by the holy spirit and we get to experience that with one another too yeah um which god has set in place for us uh, yeah for our for our glory for our good and his glory yeah Yeah. (laughs) not our glory (laughs) yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and and you used the word fellowship and that's another thing that i wanted to bring up yeah because uh just the greek word koinonia it
0: literally means... Yeah, wait, can you say uh, koinonia?
1: Koinonia, yeah. Koinonia, I, I okay. actually, yeah. Coinonia. Okay. Dude, and again, I'm Got not it. a Greek scholar. <laughs> so I use this like a, sound a, like a strong, no, <laughs> no. Strange. I hope there aren't like Greek scholars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, people listening to it, they're like, wow, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, That's not true. <laughs> but I use this thing called a, um, a concordance and actually like gives you the how to it tells you how to say it you can hear them say it but okay um so it comes from the root word koinos which literally literally it means in common to have you know things in common and what you said is that we have fellowship with christ so what is true of him he says this what is true of him is true of us Hmm. The first thing he does when he comes, when he's about to launch his ministry and he says the kingdom you know, is at hand, he, he speaks with authority, but he says that the kingdom of God is here and that he is launching it forward, right? And then as he you know, gets to the cross and he rises in Matthew 28, he says that all authority has been given to him on earth and you know in heaven. And as he's commissioning us, and if we believe we have fellowship with him, and we have some authority and it's nothing to boast in. Paul talks about that. We can't boast in it. Yeah. It's because of the faithfulness of the Messiah, of, of Jesus. But man, like if we just take a step back and think about that, the high view he has for us as believers is just, it's insane. It it should be humbling. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and that—that you know, the fact that God would entrust us with the gospel and Mm. give us His Spirit um, uh, to to share the gospel um, to the world um, is just—it's amazing to be to just be a part of this advancement of of God's kingdom. Yeah, Um, this all Creator, um, Almighty Being um yeah. would would be mindful of us and and love us and um and use us for his mm-hmm. glory like yeah that he would use us like just those words is it's just crazy to think about. I know
1: yeah. it really is. And I mean it's a reality that you know even though we can take a Psalms eight and talk about how humanity was crowned with glory and honor and and Paul picks up this theme before he gets to Romans eight and Romans one he talks about how we we chose to exchange that glory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, through our sinful desires, mm-hmm. we chose to forfeit what God originally had planned for us, and then we're crowned with with Jesus as we put our faith in Him because of His faithfulness. But man, that that kind of makes me want to talk a little bit more about Paul. You want to want to dive into Paul's life? Absolutely, let's do yeah. it. Thanks. <laughs> <Jinx. laughs> All right, so, Paul, he he was an interesting character, I feel like, Um, and one thing that was really just at the heart of his life was Koinonia, was fellowship, and I mean, a quick application to, like, just surface-level stuff, our first name within our ministry is literally fellowship, so this, like, it means... Shout out
0: to FCA. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it means a big deal for us, um... But yeah, so I, what I wanted to do is unpack what the early church did, how they actually embodied this thing called koinonia. Like, what, is it, what does it mean? At least for me, I, I kind of want to, what, before we even get to that, what do you first think of when you think of the word fellowship? Like, what comes to mind?
0: Fellowship of Christian athletes.
1: <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Come, like, just what, yeah. What no,
0: else come? I do, I mean... I just think of people gathering together, like over with, a meal with joy. Yeah, yeah, over a meal, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a gathering of you know people with joy, laughter, and yeah, praying and
1: yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's the first thing that comes into my mind. But I mean that, that's a, that's that's kind of the,
0: the spiritual answer. Yeah. But I mean, I even also think of you know fellowship, like, um you know, in sports, like,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: With, with your teammates, like there's a, a lot of fellowship that, you know, that we don't probably call fellowship. Yeah. Um, just in the locker room, but now that I'm thinking about it over meals. like Yeah. In, that's in like, dining at least for me, that's and, what I think of, yeah, of
1: having a meal with believers. Yeah. But honestly, that's just like surface level <laughs> stuff. Like when we actually yeah. just trace the word and, and the concepts throughout, you know, the, the, the biblical narrative especially in the new testament but um yeah so i figured we take a deeper dive on fellowship Koinony, and what that actually looks like and then um but actually before that talk about paul like he was somebody that was zealous right for the god of the old testament yahweh he that never changed and that's something that I wanted to bring up too, is that I wanted to bring up his conversion in Acts 9. Um, and that word that we use, conversion, it's, I don't know what other word you, you can use, but what comes to mind, at least for me, is I think that when he had that conversion up until now, I, I would think that he went from being Jewish, Right on fire for the God of the old Testament for Yahweh. And that when he was blinded blinded by the light and Jesus like asked, like, why are you, why are you persecuting me? Knocked and off his horse. Yeah, yeah. That he switched from being super Jewish to now being a Christian. And the thing is Christ, it literally means the anointed one or the Messiah. And that's like a very Jewish word and concept. Mm -hmm. So even our faith as Christians, it's rooted in this ancient Israelite Jewish movement Mm -hmm. that reached its climax in Jesus, who was the Jewish Messiah. Mm -hmm. So he was still zealous for the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh. But once he had that moment, he recognized that the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, has now come to earth in human form. Mm-hmm. So now he's zealous for Jesus. And it's the same thing as being zealous for the, the Old Testament God. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Jesus. Jesus came um, to save. Yeah. Uh, so he can save the lost. Yeah. So he can save sinners. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, he was also enlightened with that truth. Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. Yeah. So, so yeah, I wanted to open up Acts 2. Um, And actually before that, I wanted to read a quote um, from N.T. Wright, who's a New Testament scholar. I mean, just an incredible guy. I mean, I've learned so much from just reading his books, but, um, and his, all the resources that he has. But he has this book called Paul. Um, actually have it with me. It's called Paul, a biography Simple title. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually a pretty thick book, but it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he uses history, um, and just what we have access to, um, you know, as far as the early church and the Greco Roman world and the culture at that time to understand, like his biggest question is what motivated Paul? Like what made him tick? Like, why did he, why was he so passionate about this Jesus? Um, and so obviously he talks about the the experience that he had in Acts nine, where he's zealous for, you know, the God of the old Testament. Um, and now he recognizes that it's Jesus. Um, so one quote that he, he mentions in the book, I think gives a really good perspective on the early church and also Paul's mindset and Really, Jesus's mindset because Paul would say, um, "Act like me, imitate me," because I'm imitating Christ. So, um, so here's what it what it says, and it's a long quote, but I might stop and break it up every now and then. But so it says the early Christians did not focus much attention on the question of what happened to people immediately after they died. So again, what we talked about earlier wasn't all about if you died what would happen next would you go to heaven he said and he goes on if that question even came up the answer might be this that they would be with the messiah or um with him in paradise so think about the the two thieves on on the cross right to one of them jesus says mm. today you'll be with me in paradise, paradise yeah. and even paradise that kind of reminds you of the garden of eden which literally means in Hebrew, paradise, mm-hmm. um, so or the land of delight, whatever you want to to say, but um, so that's what he would say. It wouldn't be like you would be with me in heaven, though we can we can say that still. But yeah. the the words that they would use is that you would be with the Messiah, or you would be in paradise with me in paradise. And he said that goes on to say they were more concerned with the kingdom of God, which was something. That was happening and would immediately um, or would ultimately happen completely on earth, just as it is in heaven. That's what they're focused on, the kingdom of God. And he says what mattered was the ultimate restoration, the word that you mentioned earlier, the ultimate restoration of the whole of creation with God's people being raised from the dead to take their place and running the new world. And I'm there's still a little bit more of the clip that I want to read, but it's like just stop there. If anything, if they're looking forward to anything, it's not if I die today, I'll be, you know, with the Messiah or in heaven. They're ultimately looking forward to when Jesus comes back and we're resurrected and we have a new life and we're actually completely embodying what it means to be co rulers with with Christ and glorified mm-hmm. with Christ. And it's, he goes on to say, whatever happened to people immediately after the death was by comparison unimportant to the mere interim, like what happened when you died. Um, however, much, you know, it might seem incredible that they thought this way, but the early church, he says, the early Jesus followers really did believe that God's kingdom was not simply a future reality. It is a future reality, but not simply a future reality. Though obviously it had a strong, still future dimension, God's kingdom had already been launched through the events of Jesus' life. Unless we get this full, firmly in our heads, he says, unless we actually understand what what this means, we will never understand the inner dynamic of Paul's mission. And Paul's mission. So when he going back to that conversion in Acts nine, and you another figure, another person that is included in that story is Ananias, who goes to, to Paul when he's blinded. Right, and um, Paul eventually gets this revelation from from God that he is called to um, preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the nations. So us, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have Jewish roots or anything, but I certainly don't. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> so a, a Gentile is anybody who doesn't is not Jewish. Mm-hmm. So he was passionate about reconciling and inviting the Gentile people, all the nations, into this this Messianic Christian movement, which is man. That's what made him. That's what made him tick. That's what motivated him. But yeah, I want kind of want to stop there. Do you have any? thoughts or feedback on on that i just
0: <clears throat> it just relates it relates to unity because um because god's mission is is to unite people yeah not not just the jews but the gentiles which yeah. mean non-jewish like everyone outside that that jewish kind of sect yeah um that's the mission is to unite them in, in Christ mm-hmm. in Jesus. Um, and man, that, yeah, it's, it's just, it's awesome to hear that, that, that was Paul's mission. And yeah, um, man, that should be at the heart of every believer yeah. is that the, their mission is to, um, is to see just one God's kingdom, you know, here come, on earth, yeah. come here on earth. Um, and just people coming to yeah. Jesus, coming to saving faith. Yeah. Um, not just in our, our own circle of relationships, but you know, the whole world.
1: Yeah. And, and again, even though he was passionate about the Gentiles, it's, it's remembering that conversion didn't mean that he dropped all of his Jewish beliefs, right? He was still passionate about the Jewish people, about Mm -hmm. Israel. Um, so that's why on a lot of his missionary journeys, he would go first to the synagogue, to reason with the jewish people that's right yeah because again the whole old testament even though god chose the people of israel god's sense of election or choosing people was always to benefit the rest of humanity Mm -hmm. the many that's good um so it goes all the way back to genesis 12 where where god calls abraham and says i'm gonna make you a great nation i'm gonna make your name great and i'm gonna bless you in order for you to bless all families all nations That's so good. even though we might see the old testament all focused on the israelites it's really a subplot of reconciling all of humanity back together like yeah. you said being unified love it let's dive into acts 2. So Acts two, um, I wanted to focus on verses forty two through forty seven. So this is right after, or this is the day of Pentecost, right when the, right after the the, the Holy Spirit descends and and uh, um, Peter gives this incredible sermon. Um, and he's quoting from prophets, like he he quotes from Joel. And actually, one of the the verses that I wanted to read is actually. Um, verse 21, and it, it says in the last days that it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is in uh, a meeting where there, if you, I think in acts, what is it? Acts. Yeah. Two. It's in, in the same chapter and it lists like a bunch of different areas that's represented within that meeting and if you take a map it's like a east to west or west to east whatever sweep across the whole known ancient world so obviously they didn't know north and and south america but what they knew they they everybody jewish people were represented from across the whole ancient known world in that place when the holy spirit um dwelled and and descended and Peter, man, the work, the spirit just works. 3000 people are saved. Mm. 3000 people are saved in the, in the early church's birth. And what it says is, um, what follows in Acts 42 through 47, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship. That's the, the koinonia word, (laughs) um, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and it goes on, it says, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being made through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So that's the root word, koinos. Mm-hmm. And they were selling their possessions and, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day. They're attending the the temples together. They're breaking bread in their homes and they received their foods with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. That's a gospel community. And when it goes on to, um, if you flip over to Acts 4, you actually see one of the some of the fruit that comes from koinonia so the title the heading of this passage is in verses 32 through uh 37 for me it says they had everything in common what does yours say does it have a a heading
0: yeah they had everything in common. yeah i think do we both have esv ESV study
1: bible guys we gotta have a different (laughs) we have that in common (laughs) <laughs> um, said, you. <laughs> now it says now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul so unity they're unified one heart one soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in koinos in common and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace grace came upon them, all of them, and there was not a needy person among them for as many as there were owners of lands of houses sold um, to them, they brought the their proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed. To each as any had need. So, Koinonia, what does it mean if you have things in common, right? So, it seems like as needs arise within a community, a gospel community, Mm -hmm. those needs are met because they really believed that what was mine is also yours they just really believe because we all have this common faith in Jesus Christ we are unified whatever you need if i have it i'm going to i'm going to give it to you that's the gift of of grace that that came out of this this unity mindset and yeah. man i don't know if you have any any thoughts about that but that's just it it's just
0: incredible. a beautiful picture of, of gospel community of of sacrificial love yeah um voluntary generosity Um, it's, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing picture, amazing Mm -hmm. example of unity, of fellowship. Um, man, I love, I love just the beginning, the early church and just what God was doing in them and just their fire and passion they had. And I like how it says they devoted themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, It was a, they made it a priority. Yeah. Um, to sit under the right teaching together yeah together um just as a community learning learning god's word learning about the gospel yeah fellowshipping together over meals praying together i mean it's just so cool that they devoted themselves to it they made it a priority and then just watched god do the rest i mean and god did (laughs) yeah god did the rest yeah for sure I mean, amazing things happen in Acts, and, and they're not taking the credit for it. They're just, mm-hmm. hey, we devoted ourselves to learning, mm-hmm. to teaching, to um, fellowshipping together, and praying together, and taking care of each other, um, just with generous hearts, yeah. and and watch what God did, you yeah. know, so...
1: It starts there. And obviously, as Acts goes, develops, it starts to reach the Gentiles, the nations. Um, And it's kind of like, in a way, reliving the narrative of like the Old Testament into the New Testament in a condensed form. Right. Of going back to that blessing of Abraham and working through the Israelites to eventually then disperse mm-hmm. um and that's what happens after you know Stephen, the one of the i think is he the first martyr yeah 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 once once he dies they're dispersed and from that what seems like it's a tragedy ends up turning to god using the, you know through the holy spirit blessing the gentiles and them coming to faith but mm-hmm. um i guess a question that i have for you is Why do you think unity is is like so hard today? Like we just looked at the early church where the Holy Spirit descends and I believe the Holy Spirit is in my life. It's in your life. It's right. If you're part of the, the body of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Yeah. But why do you think unity is so hard? And I don't know if you've experienced this specifically, you know, as an athlete or just, you know, throughout life. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to, um, you know, we, we can, we tend to rely on, on ourselves and not God. We, we tend to be more prideful than humble. Mm. Um, you know, we tend to have hardened hearts as opposed to softened hearts and, yeah. um, and Paul didn't, he, um, I think it was in Corinthian, first Corinthians, 10 he's like there There should be no division divisions among dude, you dude. um
1: <laughs> and and that's that's the work of the flesh right in mm-hmm. galatians it talks about before it gets to the fruits of the spirit it says the fruits of the flesh if you will mm-hmm. sorry i don't know if that was mine <laughs> but um the fruits of yeah the the flesh are division like that's one of the things that's listed division yeah. and rivalries
0: exactly and so I think that's I mean that's the ultimate answer is our flesh causes these divisions yeah um, you know our our prideful hearts and and minds and um, I think I think when you have that humility and um, and you have that common like if you keep that common goal in front of you the common mission is is to be be disciples together in community and go Make disciples, yeah. Um, and when you, I think, when you have that clear um, kind of vision and mission, and when you have that, and and when you're all under the authority of God's word, like mm-hmm. if you're if you're constantly um, reading God's word and learning from it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think the Holy Spirit will, will will work in your heart to to make you more of a united person, yeah. As, as opposed to a divisive person. Yeah. So I just think this God, the Holy Spirit and God's word will make us more unified. Also, when I think of an example of, of disunity is in college, uh, my football team, mm. um, one year we were one in 10. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Just, just <laughs> tough losses week after week. Yeah, um, you know it, it. It's never a good thing when you lose like every week. But, yeah. um, but when I look back on it, man, we were a, a talented team, mm-hmm. but there was just div- just divisiveness um, among the players, among the coaches, coaches and players. Like mm-hmm. it was just not a unified group. Yeah. at all. Um, and not that that was the only reason we were one in 10, but it had a good, um, you know, it had a good part of, of why we, why we were unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, but it also reminds me of, but a team where I was unified was a, my Pop Warner team. Yeah. We, um, seventh and eighth grade man we just we broke down every practice and every Is game like with coach lou with yeah coach lou, coach lou. <laughs> uh we broke down every every practice and every game with united and yeah um we just we weren't perfect but we there was just like a a theme of of humility and you know i'm team first and not individual first um so when i so i do think it kind of in all across the board, just having, um, keeping that united mindset in front of you and having a humble heart as opposed to a prideful one Mm -hmm. and a team oriented mindset as opposed to a individual oriented mindset. Yeah. I think that that's going to help any team, any community thrive in unity.
1: It's having a common goal. And as believers, the gospel is our, our common goal. Um, and as we, you know, kind of close and think about applications. I remember you first talked about, um, in our first episode, I think you mentioned in athletics, right? You often find a place where you're surrounded by diverse backgrounds. Right. And, um, at least for me, I've found so much unity within athletics because we're competing for a common goal to, to win. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking basketball, but like, if we're playing man to man, and and I get beat, like, because we're I have teammates, that it's their responsibility to to help me out, right? To yeah. to stop the play that just went by me. Um, it's not you don't have to think twice about it. You just do it. Yeah, because we have this common goal of trying to do whatever we can to win. Um, and I think you know as as we're empowering our our coaches our athletes our ministry leaders to have these conversations you have to tell yourself like what is the common goal like remind yourself what is the common goal and then communicate that to the huddle communicate that to your team communicate that to your coaches um because we have we have to be reminded of that because if you're not reminded of it going i don't want to pick on you but to what you talked about with your season, that was one in 10. If you're not reminded yeah. of mm-hmm. that, then it's so easy to have division. Exactly. It's so yeah. easy to, um, and you talked about the fruits of the spirit, man. And we have to create an environment for the Holy spirit to do what he wants to do. Yeah. And that's why that Paul uses that theme of fruit, right? Because within a garden, if you're not tending to the garden, you're not creating an environment for fruit to actually grow. Mm hmm. Then it won't grow. Yeah. Um, so we have to be cognizant of that, you know, within athletics as the body of Christ too.
0: Yeah. Um, God does the increase. You know, we yeah, yeah. we're called to water mm-hmm. plant, but God does the growth and the increase. Um, and that's in in every aspect of our of our lives. And mm-hmm. I mean our 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 hearts are prone to wander. We're mm-hmm. prone to sin. So that means we're, an example, we're prone to be divisive. Yet, what makes us united? It's God's word, mm. um, and that's not to say when we say united, we're not saying you accept and and believe everything the world believes. We're, yeah, we're talking about united on on God's word. Yeah, um, and, you know, still being loving and kind to people who disagree with you um, outside the word. Um, yeah. But also if you just, dis- if you have disagreements, um, maybe our secondary disagreements, like we're called to love each other. Like, yeah. you know, we're, um, Jesus says, they'll know you're Christians, um, by you're how my you love disciples by how you, how you love, love one, one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the disciples didn't agree on every exactly. little thing. Yeah. They had a, they had this same mind, this unity.
1: And in love, they 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 challenge each other, yeah. right? So a verse that I want to close with is in Galatians, and yeah. Amen. Pa- Paul had to had to challenge Peter yeah. because he man, this letter is incredible, and you can hear the passion of Paul. He starts off and he's like, "I'm astonished that y'all are listening to a different gospel. Like it's not what I preach, right? Mm. And it's about this." whole thing about circumcision and what it means to um be honestly up until that point what does it mean to actually be a faithful follower of of god yeah um the jewish people and they they got into arguments really about keeping like ceremonial jewish laws and also being a christian yeah exactly and um Man, he he challenges Peter. Um, and you can look that up in, in the book of Galatians, but or the the letter to the, the Galatians. But I wanted to close with this verse, which I think is just so so encouraging. He he closes or yeah, he closes the chapter, even though there wasn't there wasn't chapters <laughs> at that time. But in our view um, he yeah, closes the chapter. In chapter three, verse twenty eight, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female for all are one in Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. And if you are Christ, Christ, right, you're part of Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, right? So that goes all the way back to Genesis 12 verses one through three. And I love that passage. Man, we are all unified, Um, Mm. and even within that, we have our differences, which is how God made us. But yeah, we just want to to encourage our coaches, our ministry leaders, our athletes that as you're using those five L's of loving, right, of listening, learning, lamenting, and leveraging, to remember what biblical unity is all about. Um, and it's also a call to action um, as you're having conversations. But yeah, I don't know if you have any other closing thoughts. But
0: man, I just love uh, that verse. You know, it's it goes to show no matter what your ethnicity, mm-hmm. no matter what your social status, right? Because yeah. it says slave or free, mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, male gender, male or female, like you are, you're created, you're created equal. You bear the image mm. of God, um, and you are all one yeah. in Christ Jesus. Like we are one, like Christ unifies people of all of all different backgrounds of men, um, of social statuses, ethnicities. He unifies us together, um, and that should compel us to strive toward unity to try to maintain that spirit um, of unity in our lives. So yeah. that that's a call to action, no matter, um, and it can look different for for everybody. Yeah, um, but it's a call to action for sure, not just to be here of the Lord.